Hello, New Hope Church. We are so glad that you joined us today, especially you new folks. That's one of the side benefits of this whole coronavirus-induced lockdown is that we get to meet a lot of new people through our online services that we wouldn't normally meet here in our church building. So we're glad you're with us. And of course, all of you home folks, we're glad you're with us as well. We're all praying that one day we'll be back together in this building, worshiping God. In fact, I'll give you a little tip. If you, if you really miss the building, you can come on down because we all know the building is not the church. You and I are the church. But, but this building is where we associate our, our experiences with God. We pray to God here. We, we speak to God here. We sing to God here. We hear from God here. We enjoy the fellowship with the family of God in this place. So if you miss it, come on by. We've sent out this weekend a prayer guide, and you can download that from your email or from the webpage, or you can pick one up here, and, and you can pray as you walk around the property of this church building. And then you can jump in your car with your family, and, and you could take the prayer guide with you as you stop at six key spots around our city, all right here in a radius of our church building, praying for schools and, and our, our government and our, our first responders and small businesses, even our senior citizen centers. And as we pray for those places here in our city, we're really praying for those same folks all around the world that are helping us get through this pandemic. Folks, I know how important it is in these troubling times when we feel hunkered down, even threatened. Our mind goes back to how things were and, and what normal used to be like. And we long for those days of old. If you're anything like me, you've been going back to old music, whether it's hymns or praise and worship. I, I've been going back to the OG worship leaders of the 80s. Do you remember a guy named Keith Green? He was awesome. I and mean, he was it back in the 80s when we were teenagers. He wrote a song called, So You Want to Go Back to Egypt. And I believe in these words, we're going to find a lot of help for what we want to talk about today. He said, So you want to go back to Egypt where it's warm and secure? Are you sure? Sorry you bought that one-way ticket when you thought you were so sure? Eating leeks and onions by the Nile, oh, what breath, but dining out in style. In the morning, it's manna hotcakes. We snack on manna all day, and we sure had a winner last night for dinner, flaming manna souffle. <laughs> I mean, he had these Hebrews pegged. God was pulling them out of their old normal, which was not a good normal. He was pulling them out of their old normal because he had a great, a beautiful, a fantastic, a promised new normal. And the entire time, all they could do was complain because the new normal wasn't nearly as good as their old normal. And all they wanted to do was go back. Folks, you don't want to wind up in the Bible with that kind of a story, do you? <laughs> God has a new normal for us. Why are we longing and pining for the old normal? What if, what if God was allowing this to happen because he is preparing us and the world and, 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 and the course of time for a new normal? Would you be willing to leave behind the old normal for what God is preparing for you right now, you and your family? Would you be willing to take that same pathway, that same journey with God to a new normal? God walked his people, the Hebrew people, through a pathway, through a journey, five steps to get them to their new normal. Would you be willing to walk that same pathway with me right now in the book of Exodus? 
What if God is preparing a new normal for you and for me? Don't you want to go? I hope you say that. Open up your Bible to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 14. We're going to start with verse 10. Second book in the Bible. Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to read verse 10 for us. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Okay, let's just stop right there. The first step in this pathway, the first step in this journey is the word fear. Fear. All right, how can that be a step in the pathway to a new normal? Fear is, is the most prominent feeling and emotion that we can experience. It is the strongest emotion known to mankind. And that is the first step in our journey to a new normal. We must embrace that. In fact, every time you read the word Pharaoh in the Old Testament, I want you to associate that with fear. Fear, repression, oppression, old way of life. Uh, for the Jews, it was quite literally slavery and torture. It was a terrible word. They hated to hear the word, see the man, experience anything he was a part of. It was their red button word. Do you have a red button word when it comes to fear? It, it, it could be cancer. It could be poverty. It could be loneliness. It could be relationship or even broken relationship. It may even be a person's name or a place. Whatever that red button word is, I promise you there is an enemy that is going to push that button over and over and over again. Why? Because this enemy wants to cause you to shrink down and, and to shrivel up and to throw in the towel and to give up and let him win. But you must not do that. You must continue in this journey. Don't let him keep pushing that red button in your life. The natural tendency when we feel fear is to flee. Fear equals flight. In the, in the animal world and even the human world, whether that's physically or even emotionally, we just detach and we pull away. But it's also just as prevalent that when we feel fear that we return to, we go back to the familiar because in that familiar, we feel comfortable. We feel secure. We feel safe in the way things used to be. We, we pull up the blanket of, of old habits when, when, we're, when we're threatened, we go back to old traditions and, and old prejudices, even old politics and old ways of thinking. When we feel threatened, when we're afraid, when fear has taken over our lives and gripped our very hearts, we go back to the way we were. Well, here's the deal, folks. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, we are no longer the old self. The Bible says the old has become new. We are a new creation and we have grown out of that. But when fear grips our heart, we find ourselves becoming something or someone that we have not been for a very long time. We begin having certain actions and certain attitudes, saying even certain words that we haven't said in years because fear has so choked out our hope and our trust in God, and we revert back. We, we hit that default mode, that reset button mode in our hearts, and we revert back to how we used to be and how we used to respond and, and act around other people. And God says, no, you are no longer that person. You are now my child. Do not fear. And we revert to that. That fear must not own us, but rather we must own that fear. Fear may not reign in us. We must rule over that fear because 
it will turn us into what we once were and not who God has created us to be. But that is step number one, to own that fear. Step number two is like it. Look at uh, verse 12. Verse 12 says, didn't we say to you in Egypt, this is the Hebrew people talking back to Moses. They said, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die here in the desert. It would have been better for us to stay back there where we were slaves. Folks, the second word is the word doubt. Doubts begin to rise up in our heart. This is perfectly normal. God's not afraid of your doubts. He's not afraid of you. It's okay to have doubts. The question is, where do we go with our doubts? What do we do with our doubts? How much uh, uh, power and, and, and space in our lives and in our hearts do we give to our doubts? Because if our doubts rule us, then we are not able to hear and respond to God. The peace of God drains from our very body if we allow our doubts to overtake us. So God says the doubts are okay, but let's deal with those doubts together. Let me just give you quickly a background to, to how the Hebrew people even wound up in this uh, Egyptian land and slaves for 400 years. Abraham was, was God's chosen. He said, you will be my leader. Your people will be my people. I will be your God. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had two boys named Jacob and Esau. Jacob stole the birthright from his brother. So we follow his lineage. Jacob had 12 sons. One of them was named Joseph. He was a favorite son of the father. Bad news for the other 11. They hated him for it. They beat him, threw him in a hole, sold him off into slavery. He winds up as a slave in Egypt, but he rises up through, has influence, becomes the second most influential person in the entire kingdom. And through this Joseph, all of the Hebrews who were experiencing famine back in their own land moved to Egypt to begin receiving the help and the, the care that they needed. They wound up staying and settling in Egypt, and for 400 years, they lived as the slaves of the Egyptians. Imagine that, folks. This was their reality. This was their normal. For 400 years, they were slaves. America, we're just over 200 years old. So this isn't even like what you and I talk about when we talk about our history. This is our history times two. This is all they knew, their parents knew, their grandparents knew, their great, 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 great grandparents knew was slavery. And they're saying, oh, if only we could go back to the good old days where we were slaves. Are you kidding me? How does that happen that someone gets so twisted that that is normal? Let me give you one more tip out of the very ending of the story before God pulls them out of Egypt. The Egyptians were tired of the Hebrews. They kept having babies and growing and, and growing in influence. And they wanted to just squelch out the Hebrew nation in all ways possible. And they, they thought if we work them to death, literally, if we work them to death, they can't have any more babies and they won't grow anymore and we can get rid of them. And so they said, you must produce the same level of output, bricks, but we're not giving you the raw materials, straw. And they thought they'd squelch them, kill them, uh, kill them out with this one way of overworking them. The problem was the Hebrews, rather than throwing in the towel, giving up, running away, escaping, they said, okay, if that is our normal, 
we will accustom, uh, get accustomed to that. We will, we will, we will become, that will become our new normal. We'll begin not, not living, certainly not thriving. We'll become, we'll begin existing by running on fumes, running on fumes physically, emotionally, even spiritually. And they began producing all that they could, everything they could with half or, or less or almost none of the natural resources they needed. And that became their normal. They thought that was normal. That's not normal. And you and I would say, how could that be? And yet you and I do the very same thing. We begin living and working and, and, and raising children and, and having families and growing, even attending church. And all the while, we're running on fumes. It might be physical fumes. Maybe we're not literally not getting the food that we need. Starvation is real in America as it is in almost every part of the world. We're not getting the physical food, especially at this time. It might be emotional food, uh, conversations and, and relationships and friendships. We're, 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 we're abandoning all of that or all of that is no longer available to us because our world is moving at such a fast pace. But We've accepted that. We said, I, I guess that's normal that I don't have close, intimate friendships as I once did. I accept that I no longer have solitude and peace where I can think and read and, and enjoy personal time for myself because the world is moving so fast. I accept that it's okay to run on emotional fumes and even spiritual fumes. We're, we're starving our souls out there's no longer the time for reading God's word. There's no longer time for, for spending time with God in prayer. There's no longer time to confess fully all that we have in our heart to God so that we can be forgiven. There's no longer time to just sit in silence and solitude before God so that he can speak to us and, and give us wisdom and insight. We've, we've starved ourselves out of those things because the world is moving so quickly past us. And even worse, we've accepted that. We've accepted that starvation and running on fumes is normal. And God says it's not. It is not normal. We've been, only been functioning and existing and God wants us to thrive. And these doubts will rob us of the needed peace. The third step is important. Third step is this. Listen. Listen. Listen to wise counsel. Look at verse 13. Moses answered the people. He said three things. Number one, do not be afraid. Number two, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. And then number 33 says, and the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. That's interesting. What in the world does that mean? Well, let's start with the first one. Do not be afraid. This is the most given command in the entire Bible. Old Testament and New Testament put together. No other command is more often given by God or his angels, or his son, or the prophets, then this one, do not be afraid. It is a command. How do you command that? Fear is an emotion. Fear is a feeling. You can't command a feeling. There's no way you could just make someone not fear. What in the world is God telling us? You may remember the quote from Mark Twain. He was talking about our brave soldiers fighting men and women that go off into foreign wars to protect our freedoms. He says, true courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the mastery of fear. Our soldiers, our bravest soldiers, the most courageous soldiers you've ever experienced, it is not true that they are not afraid. They are afraid. They are human beings. 
The difference is their fear does not own them. They own their fear. They mastered their fear. Fear has its place, but it also knows its place. We, how can we get to a point where fear does not own us, but rather we own our fear? Very simple. It's extremely simple if you'll just trust this word. In the very moment, at the very moment that you are convinced that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, your fears will melt away. Did you hear what I say? In the moment that you accept, that you believe in your heart, that you grab a hold of the idea that the God who is in you is greater than the God who is in the pandemic, your fears will melt away. You can be afraid. Fear is normal. It is natural. But your fear must not own you. You must own your fear by trusting in God. Take your way, your eyes away from the fear. Take your eyes away from the, the media. Take your eyes away from everything you're hearing outside and put your focus on God. And when you do that and you trust him, your fears will melt away. Secondly, he says to stand firm. And I think this is interesting. It literally means in Hebrew to stand immovable, not move, not run ahead, not run away, not run to the right or to the left. Just stay where you are. Whatever you do, stay where you are, trusting in what you know, not doubting in the darkness what God gave you in the light, not throwing everything you know about God into question because at this moment you are under attack. That is such a lie of the devil. He says, the first attack, he says, see, I told you God wouldn't come. See, I told you God doesn't care. See, I told you God wouldn't help you. And our first response is to throw in the towel or to run the other way. And God says, just stand firm. I'm not asking you to run a marathon. I'm not asking you to run the other way out of fear. Just hold on to what you've been given up to this point. And in the holding on, one day you will be able to move forward yet again. And then he says something very interesting as we're talking about this idea of listening to wise counsel, brothers or sisters, maybe even your pastor, someone who would speak into your life. Why would Moses speak this sentence into their life? What does he say here? He says, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. What a strange saying. Why would he say the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again? Well, I guess for, for them, that was literally true. God had given Moses the power to part the Red Sea, and the Hebrew nation passed through on dry land, and then God gave Moses the power to close up the Red Sea, and when it happened, it drowned all of the Egyptians, all of the soldiers. The Bible says they all died. Not one survived, not one. So it is true. For them, they would never see those Egyptians again. But what does that have to do with you and me? I mean, if we just take the pandemic, the COVID-19 virus, just for example, you and I listen to the same news stations. They say, sure, sure, sure. We've hit the peak. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We believe it's coming to an end for now, but hold on. Come winter, that virus is coming back and it's coming back with a vengeance. How can God's word be true if we're going to see this same virus again? And that's not what God said said, you will not see these Egyptians again. What is God saying? He's saying, you will not see this enemy again. Sure, a virus might come back. 
uh, another unemployment might come back, another struggle in your marriage might come back, another illness in your body might come back, but you will not face that as you are today. The virus may change, you, uh, sorry, the, the virus may not change, but you will be different. You are different. God changes you. Do you remember the story in the New Testament where Jesus was on a, a journey with his disciples? They're crossing the lake. A storm comes up. These disciples, these, these guys that worked on boats every day, all day long, they knew boats. They knew the water. They were scared to death. They were screaming and yelling, Jesus, Jesus, wake up. We're going to die. Folks, I tell you what. That's even when I would get nervous. When the sailors are scared to death, you know it's bad. Well, they're screaming, they're scared to death. And Jesus, where's Jesus? He's sleeping on the boat in a storm. Who sleeps in a storm? Maybe someone who's already been in a storm and come out on the other side. When Jesus says, when Moses says that we will never face these Egyptians again, I believe he's talking about you and me, those of us that have lived through a pandemic. If you're a Floridian, you've lived through a hurricane. If you're a cancer survivor, you've lived through chemotherapy. If you someone who lived through a broken marriage, you're a divorcee that has lived through that crashed and crushing feeling of defeat in a divorce experience. Whatever you've lived through, God has changed you and made you stronger. You will never be defeated by what almost defeated you last time. He's saying you will survive and you will be stronger for it. And then there's two more steps I'd like to take. Look at for, uh, verse number 15. After God tells us to listen, he tells us to move on. Verse number 15 says, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Okay, let's take a look at that. God's telling us to move on. This is a fourth step in this journey, moving on. But it starts with the Israelites. You hear what it says? It says they were crying out to God, crying out to the Lord. And the, the Hebrew and the Aramaic word is practically the same word. It's the same word as a crash or a thunder crash, it's a loud noise. And it became, uh, the, the meaning became to, to sound the alarm, to make a loud noise that people would listen and hear and come. It meant quite literally, help, help, I need help. I can't leave, I need help. You leave from your position to come to me to help me in my position. That was the meaning of the word. Help, help, leave from where you are to come here and help me. So they're crying out to God. They're saying, God, God, I am in trouble. Leave your position in heaven or in, sky, in the sky and come to me and help me. Now, what did God say? Did he say, sure? <laughs> did he say, I'll be right there? Did he say, hold on, give me a minute? Did he say, I'm running as fast as I can? Did he say any of those things? No. He said, <clears throat> move on. What? God, how insensitive can you be? We're crying out to you. Clearly, we're in trouble. Clearly, we need help. Clearly, we can't do this by ourselves. We can't leave where we are. You need to leave from where you are. Come to us and fix this now. God doesn't say, okay, I'll do it. He says, get up and move on. What does this mean? There are times in our lives, especially as we grow in our relationship with him, that God uses discomfort 
to move us to the place he wants us to be. When God uses change and discomfort to bring us a place, God can't bring change if we hold on to our old comfort. No discomfort means no change. So God is saying to them, listen, you have grown comfortable in your old way of life. You've grown even comfortable with slavery. Even slavery has become your old normal. That's not normal. I have something so much better for you. If you will just let go of your old comfort, let go of your old uh, uh, safety blanket, let go of the things that used to make you feel secure, let go of those things and let me bring you to something new. I don't know if you remember what uh, Henry Ford, the, 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 the first CEO of the Henry Ford Motor Company said as he was inventing a way to produce an automobile for every single house in the entire country. He said, he said, if I gave the people what they really wanted, I would have given them a faster horse. That's all people could imagine in their mind. That's all they could imagine that they needed. If I just had a faster horse, that would change anything, everything. Henry Ford said, I know what's going to change everything. When I give you a horse, not just a horse, now we got Mustang GT Shelby 600 horsepower. Folks, that's what I need. God's got that Shelby GT 600 horsepower blessing for you, and we're still holding on to the, the faster horse blessing, thinking that's going to save us, thinking that's the best thing, because in our little brains, and our little hearts, and our little experience, that's all that we can imagine, but we serve a great, a mighty, and a powerful God, and he has so much more for us if we would just trust him. And then the fifth step is simply this, to experience experience God in a new way. Look at verses 19 and 20. Then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. That's an interesting story. Up to this point, the people of God, the Israelites, the Hebrew nation, they have been experiencing God firsthand. They have seen his miracles. God quite literally pulled them out of slavery. How do you forget an experience like that? Not that any of you have ever been a slave, but imagine if you were in a horrible, horrible relationship like that and God miraculously pulls you out and not just once, but all of you at the same time, you're all experiencing these miracles every single day, a new miracle as he provides for you, as he cares for you, as he protects you, as he leads you. I mean, folks, think about Think about the most intimate experience you've ever had with God. Uh, maybe God dramatically answered a prayer or, or God dramatically healed you or, or someone you love or, or God moved miraculously in some kind of way in you or in your home church. Do you remember that feeling? Imagine having that same feeling, that same experience day after day after day after day. And as we're speaking, as we're talking about it right now, the very presence of God is right in front of you. And you really see it in all of your friends, a million of you. You all see the presence of God in the form of a pillar of smoke right in front of you. There is no question that your God is real. And you know how it works. And you know how to follow him. And then... God changes it up. <laughs> God had always led from in front. God had always led from the front of the pack. He said, follow me, follow me, come, follow me. And then suddenly in this story, 
he moves his position from the front all the way around to the back and everything changed. What do you do? God, I, I, I've been walking with you all my life. My, my whole life, God, you've always acted this way. You've always led this way. You've always, you've always commanded me and spoken to me and, 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 and brought healing in my life this way. And now you're changing it up. How do we respond? Why would God go behind? Was he going for the back so, so maybe he could, he could push the Hebrew people? He could push you and me into things? Maybe at times, probably, yeah. Did he pull around back because he needed to protect them and, and maybe protect you and me as well? Yeah, no, probably, no, definitely, I'm sure. Or did God pull around to the back because he wanted to give us an opportunity to take a step of faith, not because we see God out in front of us and we're following God, but because God is behind us, because we know God is behind us. We can trust in him. We can have the faith, the courage to take that step of faith out. Folks, as we grow in our relationship with God, as we grow and mature in our faith, God trusts us more and allows us to take a step of faith. If with each step of faith, our faith grows, our trust grows, our strength and, and dependence on the Holy Spirit grows. And he allows us to do that. He pulls around to the back and rather than, than being large and in charge like that pillar of smoke, he pulls around behind us. Okay, now listen, you trust me. Now I'm going to trust you. Take that step of faith. What new normal is God showing you? You've had time. You've been hunkered down in your homes just like I have. God's been speaking to you. Have you been listening? What picture, what, 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 what symbol, what idea, what words, what ideas of this new normal has he been showing you? Can you already imagine in your mind what that might be? Maybe God wants to change something radical in your life with, with your job and with your relationships and, 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 and with serving, how you serve God or how you give to God. What if God wants to change something huge in your life and your, your new normal will be nothing like your old normal? What does God want to do? Let me challenge you with this. If you can't answer that question yet because you don't know the answer, you haven't heard from God yet, I would challenge you to go back to the beginning of this journey. Go back to step number one. Go back to step number one where you fear. Step number two where you doubt. Step number three where you listen. Step number four where you move on. And then step number five where you experience God in a new way. I know that God is speaking. The question is, are we listening? God has a new normal for all of us if we will follow him on this path. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word that is so clear and so dramatic. I pray, God, that we would allow this word to enter into our hearts and change things in us that need to be changed so that we can see, God, what you already see for today, but especially, God, for tomorrow. We trust you, Father God, with our today and our tomorrow and our new normal. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening this week to the New Hope Church podcast. If you live in and around Cape Coral, Florida, we would love to have you visit our church campus. 
If you would like some more information about us, we can be found at www.NewHopeCapeCoral.com.